Check one, two. Check, 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 check one, two. You find yourself at the Hurt Take. I am your host, Reese Dobigan. It's fight week, baby. Woo! We're back to the pay-per-views. This is a big one. This is a big one. Ah, okay, maybe it's not that big. It's upper middle class. How about that? But it does play a very important role in which direction a lot of cards are going to fall going forward here. It has a certain amount of impact on one Conor McGregor, the biggest star in the UFC. It has an impact on the heavyweight division, which is the big bad boys. Kind of the premier division in combat sports. It's got an impact on the history of the sport. A record could be broken. It's got an impact on the future of the sport. Potentially one of the next big talents is on this card. So there's a lot going for it. We are speaking, of course, about... UFC 216 this Saturday night. You got to be excited for this, right? You got to be excited for this. There's there's some good there's some good fights on this card. Maybe it's not the best card in the world, but whatever. You know, if you like fights, you'll like this card. If you're kind of a casual fan, you will probably enjoy this card. There's a lot to like. There's a lot of really interesting narratives. And again, Conor McGregor will be impacted by this card. Maybe he's not on it. Maybe he's not involved. But anytime you attach Conor McGregor to a UFC fight, it creates something interesting. So what are we talking about? What are we talking about here? UFC 216. At the top of the card, you have the interim light Weight title fight between Tony Ferguson and Kevin Lee. You have the flyweight title fight rebooked from UFC 215, which was a shame. I had to miss it because of this. I was pissed. Pissed, I tell you. But either way, it's happening now. So we'll get to see it happen. Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson will defend his flyweight title against Ray Borg. Who, of course, fell ill and was unable to make the weigh-in for their fight. The reason for the cancellation. You've got Derek Lewis, the Black Beast, versus Fabricio Verdum. you got Benil Dariush versus Evan Dunham. Tom Dukenwa versus Cody Stammen. Will Brooks versus Nick Lenz. Bobby Green versus Lando Venata. There's some good stuff on this card, people. So let's get to it. We got to talk about the title fight right off the top. Because, of course, this is what will impact Conor McGregor. So Tony Ferguson and Kevin Lee. 
some people are upset about this UFC matchmaking. Um, you know, you can kind of understand it, right? Another interim title fight. They did this, uh, the UFC did this last year. Of course, with Max Holloway. Ended up winning the featherweight, interim featherweight title. Which he then unified after being Jose Aldo earlier, earlier this year. So the UFC has done this before. But of course they had to. Conor McGregor was too busy taking a boxing. But what does this fight mean? Does it really matter that it's an interim belt, ultimately? Well, they needed to sell the card. And if the UFC is proving what they're doing now is fewer cards... You know, just enough fewer, but stacking them, trying to really stack them with a lot of depth and a lot of intrigue and title fights. They got a lot of divisions, so they're going to attach as many title fights to a card as they possibly can. So if they can make one an interim title fight, they will. They're not going to hesitate to do that. It helps to sell the card. Maybe it makes... The, the interim title fight, like the, the belt mean less, maybe. But listen, the other way to look at it is interim title fights are guaranteed number one contender fights. And in a division like lightweight, that means a lot. That means a ton. That's a stacked, stacked, deep division. So either way, this this just symbolizes how important this fight is. Tony Ferguson, of course, has been riding a nine-fight win streak. Hasn't lost in, I think, four years, if I'm right. But, of course, he hasn't fought in a year. As they've been trying to make a number of... The UFC's tr been trying to make a number of fights for him. Uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov was... They've tried to make that fight a, a couple of times. And the, the fights just never happened. It seems Ferguson has sort of been holding out for that big, guaranteed crack at the gold. And now with this fight, he's got himself one. Kevin Lee... Is on a five-fight win streak. But who, who's he fought? Who's he fought? It's a list of, you know, names you might recognize, maybe. Not if you're a casual fan. Uh, if you're a hardcore fan, yeah, you'll notice them. But it, he hasn't really fought any big names. The biggest name he's he's fought in the UFC was Ally Quinta. And that was ten fights ago. And he lost. Since then, not a lot of names on there. Michael Chiesa, okay, but... That's hardly the guy that you beat to get a crack at the belt. But he has looked good and has improved with each fight. He has. And regardless of how much he's copping some of his his style, he dresses nice, he talks well, he's engaging, he's got a personality. So he can sell this fight. He's interesting. We want to see him... Go at it. Now, both of these guys are submission aces. 
Uh, Lee has been a rear naked choke specialist. You know, he's the kind of, if he gets your back, good night. You know, he is a, a fantastic grappler. But on top of that, he is a tremendous athlete. So, you know, when a tremendous athlete gets on your back, a guy that strong, you can't chuck him. Can't chuck him. He's going to sink that in, and he's going to choke you out, as evidenced by Michael Chiesa, who is, you know, by UFC standards, this guy is a black belt grappler within the sport of MMA. You flip over, you look at Tony Ferguson. That guy's a, he's got a Darce choke, probably the best Darce choke specialist in the UFC. And his style is perfect, perfect for setting that up because he's very unconventional, comes at guys at weird angles, throws a lot of strange stuff, so he creates these scrambles. And in scrambles, guys tend to give up, give up their heads. He can get that front headlock, which is one of the best in the sport. And once he gets that front headlock, he's he's searching for the Dars. And he's going to sink it in. Those long, long limbs. So this is going to be a really, really interesting fight, just even on a technical perspective. I don't know, ultimately, I don't know if Lee's stand-up game has improved enough. I don't know if it's going to be considerably good enough to tangle with what Ferguson is going to bring at him. I think ultimately when you fight Tony Ferguson, you have to be able to handle a certain kind of mental pressure, um, a certain kind of unpredictability. And I don't know if Lee's ready for that because this, honestly, he has not fought a lot of big names. This is a big jump up in competition for him. Meanwhile, Tony Ferguson has been fighting some of the best of the best on his nine-fight win streak. This guy's ready, and I have to think that Ferguson is going to view this opportunity and come really focused and prepared. Either way, the winner of this could be Conor McGregor's next fight. They could be. We'll talk about that a little later in the show, but... McGregor seems to have hinted by all indications he's he's been talking up defending his belt. And defending his belt would be fighting one of these two guys. But of course, Conor McGregor is also a businessman. And if there's anything he's proven, it's that he looks for the opportunities that are challenging to him, that are exciting to him, and that can make him a lot of money. So a lot of this, I think, will depend on how the fight goes. You know, if Tony Ferguson comes out and he looks good, he looks like the Tony Ferguson that we've been watching over this nine-fight win streak, that consistent, that just exciting, brings that that excitement and that energy. Why would Conor McGregor not want to face that guy? You can pump up that fight just on a just on a, a on an excitement level alone. The adrenaline of that kind of fight would be amazing. So we'll see. We'll see what we'll see what this leads to. Now, Demetrius Johnson versus Ray Borg. I'm not gonna talk about it. Alright? Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm just not gonna talk about it. I talked about it on the podcast. 
her take episode XX1V. And what happened? It got canceled. So if you want to know what I think about that fight, go back to the Hurt Take episode 24 and hear my thoughts on it. Okay? But otherwise, I don't want to bring it all up. i got to dredge all that back up again. It's just going to bring up bad memories for me. I drove all the way to Edmonton for that. Nah. All I will say is that this is history, people. If Demetrius Johnson can win this fight, he will break Anderson Silva's record for title defenses. History. History. That We might never see someone get to that point again. Who knows? I mean, the best option was John Jones, and he's he's screwed that whole thing up. Demetrius might be the guy who holds that record for a number of years. So tune in. Tune in and say you were a part of it. Say you saw it. That's what the sport is about. All right, that's it. That's enough. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. It's still sore for me. In the heavyweight division, we've got the rescuer. The rescuer, Derek Lewis. If you have not looked at his Instagram account, if you did not see some of the stuff he was putting out on social media during Hurricane Harvey down there in Houston, where Derek Luce is from, that Derek Luce is a good dude, man. He is hilarious on Instagram. He puts out some of the craziest videos you will ever see. Meanwhile, Hurricane Harvey hits, he's driving around in his truck and he's bailing people out. That's a legit dude. Derek Luce, legit dude. He's fighting the homophobe, Fabricio Verdum. You know, Fabricio is a great talent, one of the best heavyweight MMA fighters of all time, but that dude, uh, not progressive, not progressive. Not that you need to be progressive if you're going to be an athlete, not that you need to be progressive if, you know, period. But, uh, you know, in this day and age, maybe don't wear it on your sleeve. Maybe don't, maybe don't call a guy... At a press conference luncheon, you know, medicon, you know, don't say it. Don't do it. This is a guy who speaks something like, what, four languages? And his excuse was like, oh, it was lost in translation? No. Don't. You're a smart guy. Don't try and treat us like we're idiots. Everybody knows what you're saying. Anyways. And, of course, he was saying that Tony Ferguson, the boy who's on this card this weekend. Fabricio. You're a homophobe. It's okay. It's okay. You're a homophobe. But you're okay with lying on a mat and grappling with other dudes. Whatever. Okay. Who's going to win this fight? This fight has decent implications in the heavyweight division. Okay? UFC heavyweight is a shallow division. Look look at the, the top five heavyweights in the UFC... None of them have gone their last three fights without a loss. Every single one of them is two and one in their last three fights. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. There's all of them except the champ, Stipe, and Francis Ngannou. So this is a division where one or two wins puts you in the title hunt. And in a guy like Derek Lewis's case, who was on a run before his last fight, before that KO loss to Mark Hunt, he was in the title hunt. 
And I expect if he wins this fight, he will be right back in it again. And a win over a guy like Fabricio Verdum, a former champion? If You know, I think a lot depends on what happens with Francis Ngannou and um, Alistair Overeem coming up here. Alistair Overeem, of course, is saying that if he wins at UFC 217, he's going to get the title shot. But maybe Francis Ngannou. Maybe it goes to him if he wins. I mean, if one guy gets it, why not the other? So it will be very interesting to see. Um, if Derek Lewis or Fabrizio Verdun win this fight, maybe one of them matches up with the loser of that. But I think the main thing to take here is, is uh, Fabrizio Verdun is definitely at a crossroads. He's not the fighter he was when he was champ. He's on the downside of his career. He's proven that he's got a pretty big weakness and can get caught. So if he were to lose this fight, I think it would be safe to say that he's he's in the twilight. But if he can win, again, baby, it's heavyweight. Who knows what happens? Elsewhere on the card, you got Will Brooks versus Nick Lentz. And this is kind of the this is a fight like of two dudes who need a win bad. Will Brooks needs a, a win real bad. Uh, he came into the UFC with a lot of hype from Bellator. A lot of hype. He came into the UFC with one loss on his record. Now he's got three. And and two dis a real disappointing losses where he just against Charles Charles Oliveira especially he lost so quick, it was a bit of a shock. So this is a guy who needs to win bad. Nick Lentz, meanwhile, uh, I mean Nick Lentz is a you know he's a middle of the pack guy. He's always kind of funny on social media, you know, fun and engaging. He'll always need to win. Basically, he's one of those guys who always needs to win. But Will Brooks needs a bad. So that'll be an interesting fight. Bobby Green versus Lando Venata, two really eccentric uh, stand-up fighters. This is going to be the crowd pleaser on the card in, mo- in, in all likelihood. Venata is very interesting, unique, unconventional. Uh, he gave Tony Ferguson probably his most difficult matchup um, during this nine-fight win streak that Ferguson is on. Venata nearly got him. Nearly got him in his debut in the UFC. Very impressive. Meanwhile, Bobby Green is always a tough matchup for everybody. Tough, tough matchup. He's one of those guys, like if he was a in boxing, he's one of those guys that you put in there with your when you're building up your star and you're saying to your star, listen you need to get there in a tough fight. You prove yourself in a tough fight they can't deny you that next step up towards a title shot Bobby Green's that kind of guy you know, he's unfortunately it's like being a gatekeeper but you know, or a journeyman, or however you want to put it. But Bobby Green is a tough matchup for anybody. He slams the door in people's faces. He's very tough. So that will be an interesting fight. And Lando Venata, a lot of people think that he could make some uh, a significant push here in the UFC at lightweight. I mean, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I think he's shown enough, but it would be nice to see him take a jump up. Elsewhere on the card, uh, Magomedov, Bibulatov, 
I'm only mentioning this, mentioning this because I think that you should skip this fight entirely. Uh, this is a guy who has a connection with Ramzan Kadyrov, the controversial leader of the Chechen Republic, the country where they are torturing homosexuals. What a guy. Magomedov, Bibulatov, and Fabrizio Verdum must get along great because Fabrizio is a big fan of uh, Kadyrov too. So skip that one. Unless, I don't know, unless you're into that kind of thing. In which case, I mean, I don't know. Look in the mirror or something, but. <laughs> Politics and sports, sometimes they don't mix. And in this case, they do not mix. Now, the fight that I am the most excited to see on this card is Tom Dukenwah versus Cody Stammen. For no no reason for Cody Stammen at all. I don't want to see this guy fight. I, I mean, you know, I'm all about Tom Dukenwah, man. This is a hyper-hyped prospect. This is a guy who won two belts over in Bama in the UK. The last guy to do that, Conor McGregor. Tom Dukenwah won two belts, defended them both. Now he trains out of Jackson Wink. Came into the UFC, won his first fight in... Very exciting fashion. And that is what Tom Dukenwa is about. Very aggressive. He's He's got a very a young veteran mind. He's a young dude. I think he's only 24. Yet he fights like someone who has been around for years. Patient. Good defense, but not outstanding. Got caught a lot in that first fight. More than he should have. But he's got a, a very kind of like a Robbie Lawler type, right? He'll give one to take one because he is confident that he can win more of those exchanges. If he puts himself in a situation where he's going to give one to take one and he keeps on playing that game, eventually he will wear you out. He'll win more of those exchanges and probably land the harder shots. And eventually, guys just will. He's very exciting to watch, people. Super athletic. So he can do stuff that a lot of guys can't. He tries a lot of stuff other guys don't. Uh, he's kind of like a mini John Jones in a lot of ways in terms of how he seems to use every limb, every weapon he's got, elbows, knees, kicks, punches. He loves getting in the clinch. His clinch game is really interesting to watch. So check out Tom Dukenwalt. That is the fight that I think is going to be very, very uh, impactful going forward here in bantamweight where, you know, Dukenwalt could be, he could be in a title shot by the end of next year. Easily. And bantamweight is a stacked division. Stacked division. Everything from 135 through 155. Whew. Them medium-sized dudes, there's a lot of competition there. And Tom Dukenwa could be one of the next big things. In other news, said we would talk about McGregor. Now let's talk about McGregor, baby. So, Mystic Mac, Conor McGregor, the Notorious, recently did a Q&A. 
aptly titled An Evening with Conor McGregor. Shockingly, he didn't do this interview in like, you know, like an evening robe with uh, a nice glass of scotch in his hand and a pipe. An evening with Conor McGregor. Sitting by the fire, feet kicked up. <laughs> no, no. Conor McGregor, the master of PR, is now an event attraction even when he's just sitting there being interviewed. So, at the SEC Armadillo in Glasgow, Scotland last week, he was interviewed and he said a lot of things, as he's wont to do. Among them was that he could beat Floyd Mayweather in a rematch. Okay. Like I said, Connor says a lot of things. Uh, no, don't think that would happen, Connor. Um, maybe in three years. But, uh,. Not going to happen. Now, the most important thing he said, the interesting thing he said, is essentially what his options are. Now, he named eight different fighters in this whole thing, which you would think would be like, okay, really, like, so he gave no indication. But he did. He's... He said some things that very strongly indicated that defending the lightweight title will be his next choice. And if I if I'm seeing the path in my mind, it's 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 if Ferguson comes out victorious and looks very good doing it, McGregor Ferguson would make a lot of sense. You could sell that fight. Uh, more importantly, Connor could sell that fight, and he would sell it to himself as a challenge. If he were to fight Tony and win, that would give him the option for Khabib or Nate Diaz at 155. Connor and Nate 3. If he were to lose that fight, Connor and Nate 3. Boom. He gets his big payday. He's on a bit of a losing streak. You know, that he's still got that fight sitting there. But by all indications, that's I think that's the direction he's going to go. Because he said that he would be watching how the lightweight title picture pans out. And then he would go in, go in there and correct the whole situation. Naturally, McGregor had to throw that. He's, he's always good at the backhanded comments. But of course, he also mentioned Polly Mags, GSP, Mayweather again. Justin Gaethje and Khabib, in addition to Nate Diaz, in addition to Tony Ferguson and or Kevin Lee. So eight options. Who knows, man? Who knows what he's going to do, but I will be watching, that's for sure. And one other point that he made was, it kind of made some headlines. People are saying he wants to get get in there and legitimize the title. And people are saying, like, really, you're going to legitimize the title? What does that even mean? But here's the thing, people. Conor McGregor taking big money fights, maybe it destabilizes the division. But it doesn't, it doesn't harm its legitimacy. It actually makes it more legitimate, okay? Because... He is making those UFC belts more valuable. He's attracting the audience. He's attracting the people. 
He's elevating the belts. He's making the belts even more important. You know, they say, when the water rises, all boats rise with it. Well, Conor McGregor is the guy with his hand on the tab. Now, me personally, I would love to see him defend that lightweight belt against Tony Ferguson, not Kevin Lee. That just would not be as interesting to me. So let's hope he does it. Let's hope that's the direction he goes. All right. I want to thank you very much for joining me. This has been The Hurt Take, the MMA show by the fans, for the fans. Thank you for joining me for another round. And until next week, I am out.